Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And we have a special guest here on the State of the Saints podcast from 104.5 in Baton Rouge ESPN. And the host of After Further Review, we have Matt Moscona. Matt, what's going on, man? TJ, what's good, man? It's a, it's a weird Lundy Gras here, man. There's ice everywhere. Nobody's working. Everybody's staying home. There's no parades. It's, it's unconventional at best, man. But I'm doing good. Thanks. Hey, man. Completely insane times. Uh, you know, also, thank you so much for, uh, you know, for being a part of the show. I know a lot of crazy things going on out there in Baton Rouge. Power out and everything like that. So thank you for your time. We really do appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. I woke up this morning and... I was I was heating up the Keurig to make my coffee, and <laughs> power went out. So man. I mean, all over town right now. I mean, we're, it's a deep freeze, man. Like we were talking off- offline, mm-hmm. it's just weird because people listening in different parts of the country, I'm sure, who you know maybe don't understand. It's just we don't have the infrastructure in Louisiana to deal with snow and ice. We don't have right. salt trucks, we don't have plows. I mean, nobody knows what to do. Nothing's nothing's <laughs> freeze proof basically. So it's it's kind of the the opposite of when, you know, the Upper East Coast, New York, got hit with uh, Superstorm Sandy a few years back. It's like yeah. they didn't have the infrastructure to deal with a hurricane. Well, we don't have the infrastructure to deal with snow and ice. So, man, this happens. Everything just shuts down. So right. and everybody's just hanging out at home today, just riding this thing out. Yeah, man. I mean, this, this, this is crazy. I mean, growing up in New Orleans, I, I can count maybe on one hand how many times I've seen snow. And uh, <laughs> since I left, <laughs> yeah. I think it's snowed quite a few times. But and just thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And, you know, we hear you talk about uh, the Saints on after further review, uh, you know, contract negotiations, Drew Brees. But um, I want to get your perspective here on the State of the Saints podcast. Let's go ahead and start with Drew Brees. Uh, Sean Payton said, I think last week, that Drew Brees is probably going to come out maybe this week or next week with his announcement. Uh, so what do you think about uh, Drew Brees and what are the memories that you're going to have watching Drew Brees at the Saints quarterback? Oh man! Look, for a guy who was born in New Orleans and and you know was was baptized at the Black and Gold altar, man, I just you know to to live your entire life with a franchise that just didn't win, and then to have Drew Brees show up, you know, sort of in that moment. I mean, I know all the different you know the the parallels have been drawn about you know the the Saints being reborn, the city being reborn post Katrina and Breeze's career post shoulder injury being reborn altogether. I mean, Mm -hmm. that symbolism is obviously there, but the results on the field are what they are. I mean, you know, as the the league's all time leading passer, as a guy that won a Super Bowl, brought this this franchise to heights that not none of us thought we'd ever see. And doing so in such a classy manner, who was so great to the community, you know, lived uptown and made himself part of the community as well. I've often said, man, Drew Brees is the most influential sports figure in the history of the state of Louisiana. There's just, I mean, I could probably come up with some names, TJ, like, you know, for example, Huey Long, right? Huey Long, when he was governor, he he got Tiger Stadium built. You know, he was so influential at at LSU. We could talk about Tom Benson, certainly. But without Tom Benson, it's possible the Saints and the Pelicans aren't here. I mean, there may be no professional sports in this state. You know, if Benson didn't step in and buy the team in the 80s, it's entirely possible an outsider could have stepped in, bought the team, and moved him. So, yeah. but as far as an athlete, there's there's nobody's influential as Drew Brees uh, in the history of our state. So, yeah. man, we do we could do an entire podcast just on Drew. Um, yeah. You know, you want to talk about memories, man? Shoot, I, certainly being in the Dome for the, the Falcons game post-Katrina. Um, wow. 
You want to talk about um, that divisional round game against the Eagles that year, mm-hmm. getting that win, going up to Chicago, seeing that loss in Soldier Field. Right. You know, some of the disappointments in 07 and 08, but of course, you know, the, the 2009 season was so special. I remember the awesome game at home against the Jets. Um, mm-hmm. Man, we could just, we, you know, we could do that. For, we could do the whole podcast on Breeze. But, I mean, his, his legacy is intact. I mean, he's, he's the greatest player in the history of the franchise, man. We're blessed to have had him the last 15 years. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I can remember some of those times. Uh, we talked offline. Like I said, I grew up in New Orleans. I remember watching New Orleans Saints, and uh, you can get their tickets at your local gas station. I mean, there's yeah, some embarrassing stuff. <laughs> so, no, listen, it's so funny you say that. So, I rem- so we we lived before we moved to Baton Rouge. We lived uh, in New Orleans East in Lake Carmel, right. and there was I vividly remember this. My dad was bringing us home from school one day, and they mm-hmm. were the Saints were doing a uh, promo where right. Bobby A. Bear was wow. at a gas station, like at a Texaco <laughs> signing autographs, man. So like me and my brother and my dad pull up, and there's the Cajun Cannon signing these like glossy five by seven pictures man i still got it, <laughs> still got it. And it's so funny now because like professionally i know bobby and right. bobby's son t-bob works mm-hmm. with us at our stations the morning right. guys so it's funny how all that comes full circle man when you say gas station that just sparked my memories like you're done right <laughs> roll up on a gas station and get autographs or, or, or tickets yeah i mean it, it was crazy though you know but you know, they got that old saying, you know, uh, they saw two uh, Saints tickets on the seat. The glass was broken. You seen four. I mean, it was it was bad times, though, man. You know, but, but you look at Drew Brees and, and how he legitimized the franchise. Like he, he is and has been the New Orleans Saints. And no matter, you know, no matter what the score was, you always believed you had a chance when number nine was on the field. I mean, it, yeah. it was it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, and there's no way in the world. Uh-huh. That is such you're you're so right too because and that is really the complete antithesis of what the franchise was forever because the thought was always okay how are they going to screw this up like oh, I can yeah. remember being in the dome so both both my grandparents my mom's parents and my dad's parents had season tickets forever mm-hmm. and so we'd always end up sitting with with one on one side or the other but um right. and they were like my dad's parents sat in the forty behind the Saints bench. My mom's parents were on the forty behind the visitor bench. So, right. so it depends on kind of who had a ticket. You know, where you get in the dome. Man, I can remember watching a game. This was early in Jerome Bettis's career. Man, early and and um, he was with the Rams. This was before Bettis went to Pittsburgh. Right. So, I mean, early Jerome Bettis and Sam Mills made an incredible play. Man, I, and like you could check me on the date. No, I don't remember the, the year, the date, whatever. But mm-hmm. Sam Mills hits Bettis in the hole. Right. And locks him up and like grabs the ball mm-hmm. and spins, rips the ball away from Bettis and houses it. We're like, oh, we're all the And I'll be damned the Saints and lose that game to the Rams. And, you know, and, that, and those were the, the you know the same old sorry ass Rams, and they still find a way to lose. It's like always, you know, that's the big, I mean, that's the biggest turnaround. It's just, yeah. you're right. You just went into every game expecting that the team was going to win. You know, and you were disappointed when it didn't happen because, you know, if you go in and your expectation is the basement, bro, you're not expecting to win. Then you're exactly. never surprised when you lose. Yeah. And, man, that's, that's the thing now. You know, I, I talked about on my last podcast. I said when you were when young, like growing up in the 90s, if the Saints won, you know, like you were like, what, they won? Yeah. Now it's like – and if they, if they didn't, you didn't feel as bad. But now yeah. it's like they're really, really good. 
And when they lose, it's like, you know, like, why? You know, like, <laughs> it, we, just, it just hurts even worse. It's cliche to say, well, they changed the culture. But that's, mm-hmm. but what you just described there is literally what that means. It's, right. it, 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 over the course of almost two decades, it changed the mentality of the fan base that had been ingrained for 40 years, which right. is, how are they going to screw it up? They're going to lose. They suck. I mean, it's now, now, even with Drew Brees on the way out, we all collectively have this feeling like, hey, man, whoever's next might actually be an upgrade because they push the ball downfield. Like, you look at all the talent on the roster. They could still win. You got Sean Payton. I mean, right. the fact that you had backup Teddy, Teddy B won five and oh last year and right. you went you know, three and one with Brees out this year. You're like, man, you can win with that. It's the whole mindset around the whole franchise has changed. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, from, you know, we talk about Drew Brees and, and you just touched on it. I mean, we got to talk about the future now. I mean, the wheels keep turning, right? I mean, it's the yeah. National Football League. And, you know, the Saints got some questions they need to answer, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, Sean Payton talked about it in an interview, talked about he feels that his next quarterback is in the building. I mean, we, on one hand, you have uh, Taysom Hill, who's the only quarterback on the, on the payroll right now. Well, I mean, Drew Brees is, you know, but we expect him to retire. And there's also Jameis Winston. And, uh, man, you talked about Jameis Winston on, on your show. I mean, this guy getting a lot of criticism here. And, you know, I mean, everybody seems to be hung up on this whole 30 for 30, you know, 30 touchdown, 30 interceptions. But, you know, what can Jameis Winston bring to the New Orleans Saints? So what, what, what type of skill set are we talking about when we talk about Jameis Winston? Well, the skill set you're talking about is a guy who was talented enough to be the first overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. We talking about a, guy, about a guy still in his physical prime. See, there's so I've talked a lot about Jameis for the last year because whenever it was clear he wasn't going to be back in Tampa, I was I, I, TJ. I don't know if I was the first man, but I was among the first to say the Saints need to go sign him. Yeah. And the whole idea was replicating what they did the year before with Teddy Bridgewater. You get a guy who's proven he can be a starting quarterback in the league, not to be your starter, but to be a competent backup just in case. And, oh, by the way, maybe, just maybe, he could be the guy. And you get a test drive, basically, to say, could this be a guy that fits and could be your franchise in the future? Mm -hmm. The thing that I'm so impressed with with Jameis is, look, his entire life, like, if you've ever been around dudes that are physically elite, right, and and to be – to be a, the number one overall, but just to be a quarterback in the National Football League, you right. are just a different level human. It's just, it's like, TJ, you or I, no matter how hard we worked, we were never going to be a quarterback in the NFL. Right. Like, you just have to be <laughs> blessed with some God-given stuff. Right. So if you're, if you're Jameis Winston, who is, by the way, good enough as a, to, to be a collegiate pitcher at Florida State and could have been a professional pitcher if you wanted to, mm. when, when you're that kind of athlete, often you're never humble, man. Like, you're just always – from the time he was in bitty basketball or Pop Warner or whatever, he's just always been the best. Right. So when he has that season in 2019 in Tampa and they cut him, that's the first time in his life that he would, athletically was humbled. Right. And I always think it's interesting to see how someone responds to adversity like that. And look at what James – like, Jamarcus Russell didn't handle adversity well. Ryan Leaf didn't handle adversity well. There's a lot of first-round draft picks at quarterback that are out of the league within five years because whenever it came to it, they didn't have the drive, the work ethic, the, the determination to let that match their physical ability to carry them through an NFL career. Yeah, Look at what Jameis has done. 
He went and got LASIK, fixed his eyesight. Right. He went vegan, lost 30 pounds, best shape of his life. Took a, a bargain basement deal at a million dollars, just as he put it, I'm going to I'm going to get my PhD in football. That's what he said when he was mm-hmm. came to, to sit under Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Yeah. Humbled himself this year, kept his mouth shut, even when they played Taysom Hill when Drew got hurt. Jameis didn't complain. Yeah. Great locker room guy, great leader. Everyone on that team that I've spoken with raves about him. Guys that I know who play on the Bucks raved about him as a leader. Like you can point to all the silly stuff he did at Florida State, and there was plenty. Yeah. And the point that I've always made is look, man. Any human, anybody, if you're judged of what you do when you're 18 to 22 years old, we all did stupid things. Yeah. He was on a very public I'm – not, I'm not excusing any of it, but the reality is also when you become a married man, when you have children, as James is married, kids, and like your life and perspective, things change. Like yeah. that stuff forces you – to reevaluate everything and prioritize and it forces you to mature, to grow up. And I think we've seen that evolution for James, the on-field stuff that people always say about the turnovers. It's just, it's just a fallacy, man. I mean, he threw 30 picks in, you know, in 2019, but that is the outlier. If you look at his five years in Tampa, the most interceptions he had in the season prior was 17. I mean, Peyton Manning is a rookie through 29. I mean, I, I did this on my show where I ran through Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Dan Marino. I mean, go through it. John, John Elway, Johnny Unitas. Go through, like, the greatest quarterbacks ever, the people say. And they all had these 25, 30 interception seasons. I mean, it happens sometimes. You're on a bad yeah. team. You got to make – you have to force the ball. I'm not excusing that altogether. But, man, that's a guy where if, if with Sean Payton, with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, the, uh, the weapons they have, a, a – a, you know, a top five, top ten defense in the league. Like, could they win and win at an elite level with him? Yeah. Yeah, they can. I'm not saying it's a cinch, it's a given, but can they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just look at Jameis. You know, one thing that stood out to me was the 2019 season, week 17, his final press conference in a Tampa Bay uniform. And he said – I got all the tools to be the best quarterback in the National Football League. And he said, all I got to do is just cut down the interception. And, you know, normally guys will say that, you know, it's just lip service, you know. But I, you can really, like, look in his eyes and tell, like, he really felt that way. And I also I also think that people need to understand, too, Matt, I mean, he went to the Buccaneers. Like, he was the number one overall pick to the Buccaneers for a reason. They weren't very good. You know, yeah. statistically, if you look at the numbers – they didn't do much to help him. I mean, questionable offensive line, questionable running back play. And, and you know, coach after coach after coach, you know, like yeah. philosophy after philosophy. Now he can come to an organization where, I mean, they're pretty stable, you know, and they, they're not just – they're looking for him to win them some games, yes. But, like, unlike in Tampa, like, the Saints can win in, in other ways too. They ain't got to throw the ball all over the place. And Sean Payton is not going to ask him to do something that he's not comfortable with. I think Bruce Arians, he, he did, he's done that everywhere he went. That's the reason why every quarterback that was under his tutelage always ended up having a high rate of interceptions. Sean Payton go, goes into a, a classrooms and talks to these guys and say, hey, you know, what plays are you comfortable with? You know, and he, and he puts that into a scheme and then he 
slowly starts to add to that person's arsenal. So I just think that it would be a great place for him, you know, and I just feel like now you don't have that whole cloud of being a savior of a franchise under you, you know? It's true. That's tough. That's tough for a kid. It's also interesting, TJ, that the Saints would be getting Jameis right around the same point in his career that they got Drew Brees. Right. Now, Drew Brees was in his mid-20s when they signed him from San Diego. Just remember, it was I mean, that was at an, in an era where everybody stayed – most guys stayed in school four years. But, right. um, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of getting them around the same point that you did Brees. And remember, Brees was a castaway. Yeah. The Chargers decided they were going with Phillip Rivers. Good point. And, and Brees had the shoulder injury, which obviously exacerbated their, their decision. Right. But um, – but they'd already made the decision in drafting Philip Rivers that they were they were moving on from Drew Brees. Yeah. So, you know, I think Sean Payton probably sees a lot of those similarities. The other thing I would say is who else is a better option? Hmm. I mean, realistically look around and go, okay, well, there's there's some there's some older veteran quarterbacks that are probably going to be available. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that doesn't seem appealing to me. No, no, it doesn't. Um, Matt Stafford's already off the market, and the Saints didn't even make a play for him. Um, You could go to some young veterans. I mean, you could look at maybe trying to work a deal with the Jets for Sam Darnold, but do you feel better with Darnold than you do with Jameis? Um, The Saints are picking 28th. You could look at drafting a quarterback, but realistically, the way that that it seems, if you you believe the draft experts and pundits, how this is all going to go, is that the top four guys are going to come off the board probably within the top 10 picks. Right. So that means you'd probably have to move up somewhere in the low teens to draft a guy like Mac Jones. Yeah. Well, are you convinced that Mac Jones is the guy you want to put him in as a, as a rookie and build around Mac Jones and have to give up assets to move up in the draft to get him. I just, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's a better option. Yeah. So, you know, then a guy that is a former number one overall pick is more mature in his NFL career, started 70 games, who has a 5,000-yard passing season, who knows your personnel, who knows your division. You know him because he's been on your roster. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's a better option. I, I just I think the Saints would be well-served to, um, to sign Jameis to a deal similar to what Teddy Bridgewater got in Carolina, mm-hmm. maybe one that's incentive-laden, and, and see what you got here. Yep. And and if you crash and burn, then you reassess and maybe you go somewhere in the draft looking for for your next franchise quarterback. But I just don't know that there's another great option available to New Orleans right now. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's an interesting point. And uh, let, let me ask you this uh, about Sean Payton and Jameis: Do you feel like Sean Payton <laughs> hid Jameis out? Because I mean, you, you look at last year, I really feel like he wanted to keep Teddy Bridgewater. He wasn't counting on Drew Brees to get hurt. Drew Brees, for the first time in years, ended up missing multiple games. Uh, and then Teddy Bridgewater comes in, went five straight, and next thing you know, he's on his way to Charlotte. So do you yeah. think that Sean Payton hid out Jameis Winston uh, no. because he didn't want to uh, repeat what, what happened with Teddy Bridgewater? No. Um, and I understand the logic, but I think sometimes – sometimes the hardest thing for us to realize or understand or acknowledge Mm -hmm. not it we may be looking at the ten thousand foot view like that right but sean payton's going 
I'm going to win this game this week. He's not thinking, well, if I play Jameis and he does well, I'm going to lose him. Like, he's thinking, I got to go beat Chicago. You know what I mean? I got to go beat Denver. I mean, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. Exactly. We're, we're trying to get the number one seed. He's not sitting there thinking about what might happen if we win this game and he plays well. Like, that just that just doesn't enter the thought process. And again, like I know this is hard because it's it's a very rational thought that fans and pundits we all talk about. But you got to put yourself in the mindset of where Sean Payton is on on the Monday of a game week, and he's not, doesn't have a starting quarterback. It's how do I win Sunday? Yeah. And everything else happens whenever it does. I I believe him when when he says. He talked to Taysom and told Taysom that he'd give him the first crack at being a starter quarterback. And I think Sean Payton in his heart of hearts believed Taysom Hill could be a starter in the NFL and wanted to see if, if that could play out. And it's pretty clear he ain't going to be a starter in the NFL. <laughs> so, I mean, look, we all knew that. But here's the thing with Sean. Sean is, Sean is in his mind, the smartest guy in the room. And in many instances, he is. But I want to be clear about something. That's not a criticism. Because, man, one thing I've learned covering coaches and athletes all these years, man, you get to spend time with them. But there's a reason they reach the level they do. They're different than you and me. They're wired differently. They're driven by ego. They think they're the smartest people in the room because a lot of times they are the smartest people in the room. <laughs> they work harder. They, they're tireless. Like it just, it's just different, man. Right. I mean, so I, I don't doubt at all that Sean Payton really believed that he could make Taysom Hill a starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty clear after seeing that experiment, he ain't going to make Taysom Hill a starting quarterback in the NFL. So <laughs> they got a better, they got to get a better option. It's not, it's not going to be Taysom Hill. Yeah. Uh, you let's put your GM hat on just for a second. All right. You have, okay. you have a, a choice. You have Marcus Williams and you have Trey Hendrickson, mm-hmm. uh, both, uh, both are going to leave. Which one are you going to keep? Which one are you going to let go? So my my good friend, Mike Dettelier, who comes on my radio show every week, has, has always said, um, if you have the chance between a skilled big man or a skilled small man, you take the skilled big man because there just ain't many of them. <laughs> um, right? I mean, it's, it's much harder to find a large man with the skill that Trey Hendrickson has. Now, Specifically with the Saints, I don't think they could be able to afford Trey Hendrickson. Um, pass rushers are at such a premium, and Hendrickson finishing tied for second in the league in sacks, somebody's going to overpay him. I'd love to see him stay in New Orleans, but somebody's going to overpay him. And if you're the Saints, you know you got Cam Jordan under contract. You obviously you got you have Marcus Davenport with his you know, fourth and fifth year option. You really like Carl Granderson as well. I mean, Carl Granderson has shown flashes that he could be a a serviceable rotational player coming off the edge. And what they what they really liked about him coming out of Wyoming. So, I, if I had to guess which one they're going to keep, I think they're going to pay Marcus Williams. And as much as we focus on some of the mistakes Marcus has made, of course, going back to the, the Minneapolis miracle and um and some of the others. When you look at Marcus Williams statistically, he ranks right up there with the top paid safeties in the NFL. Right. Uh, it's it's strange to say and think it, but everything from if you want to look at pro football focus grades, if you want to look at tackles or interceptions or, or you know pass the flush, anything, go look at all of them. I mean, right. he is right there with the top safeties in the NFL. 
So I think they're going to pay Marcus. I think Trey Hendrickson is going to get a, a giant contract elsewhere. And I, Hello. Uh, sorry about that. I think we uh, lost Matt for a second. Uh, we were speaking with uh, Matt Muscona, 104.5 ESPN. Uh, he was talking a little bit about uh, Marcus Williams. Uh, possibly would he keep Marcus Williams or uh, go with uh, Trey Hendrickson? He uh, lost a little bit of reception there. Like I said, uh, a little bit of bad weather up there in Baton Rouge. Hello? Are you there? There we are. Yeah, I'm I don't sorry. know what happened, man. We just went into we just went into an icy internet black hole. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It froze up. I know, the last thing I heard you say was about uh, you know Marcus Williams' pro football focus grade. Yeah, so. yeah, man. I think you know no matter what metric you look at, right? If it's his pro football focus grade, if it's sacks or or tackles or tackles for loss or passes deflected, he's right there with the top safeties in the NFL. So I think the Saints are going to pay Marcus Williams. I'd rather keep Trey Hendrickson because I'd rather keep the, the skilled big man. Um, but I, I think Trey Hendrickson is going to end up leaving in free agency. And I think the Saints will end up resigning Marcus Williams. All right. Uh, final question for you, Matt. Uh, first round pick uh, for the New Orleans Saints. What, what direction do they need to go in? Cornerback. I think, um, I think Janoris Jenkins is going to be a cap casualty mm-hmm. and they're going to have to replace him opposite Marshall Lattimore. I don't know if there's an option, an affordable option in veteran free agency. Um, you know, if, if Janoris wants to come back at a lesser price, awesome. I'd be down with that. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know what the market's going to be for him. And realistically, he, he slipped a little. Um, but I think that would be my, my number one target if they stay pat at 28, is give me the best corner on the board. Um I would also be thrilled if they went receiver mm-hmm. because, you know, the Saints have really transformed their offense to be a short intermediate passing game with Mike Thomas and with Kamara around the line of scrimmage right. because Breeze hasn't been able to push the ball downfield. People say, well, they don't push the ball downfield. Well, a big part of that is, TJ, when was the last time they had a receiver that could blow the top off? Yeah, I mean, they point. really haven't replaced it. I mean, they haven't had it every time since they traded Brandon Cooks. I mean, you had Ted Ginn, but Ginn wasn't even really what Ginn was early in his career. So you yeah. haven't had that stretch the field guy. Maybe they kind of hoped that Traquan Smith could be that, but he hasn't really materialized. Right. So, man, if there's a burner sitting there at 28 and you want to get that guy that can go, I mean, I think Kadarius Tony would have been that guy. But he went to the senior bowl and blew up. I don't think there's any way he's on the board at 28. But <laughs> if he is, uh, you know, I'd be down with that. I think, I think there's a lot of options they could go. Look, man, it could come to a situation where Teron Armstead, you know, is is yeah. gone for a cap saving move. Maybe you're looking offensive tackle. Could mm-hmm. Ryan Ramchick swing over and play left, and you bring in a new right tackle? Or does Ramchick stay put it right? And you 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 draft a rookie left tackle. You know, I think yeah. there's a lot of direction. What happens with Sheldon Rankins? Are you looking for interior defensive lineup? What happens with Marcus Williams? Are you looking for a safety? You know, I mean, there's this roster depending on what happens with respect to the cap and who's available um, is going to dictate largely what they do at 28, but they're not lacking for needs as much talent is on this team. They're at a point where I think we all realize you can't pay everybody. And so there's Mm going to be roster turnover. 
So wherever that turnover comes is probably what they address in round one. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, hopefully it can help them uh, move forward. Uh, me, I want I want them to get a linebacker. I think it's time. Yeah. Man, I mean, look, they're the only team I've seen in, in the South that hasn't drafted a, a stud linebacker. I mean, you look at you look at Luke Keekley when he played for Carolina, him and uh, Thomas Davis. Uh, you look at uh, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got in Devin White and Levante David, even Debo Jones, you know, out there in Atlanta. So I think it's time for the Saints to try to pick up a linebacker in the draft. But Matt, uh, thank you so much for you. thank you so much for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, before you go, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Hey, man, I'm on basically every social media platform. So if you if you can spell my name, you can find me. It's uh, M-O-S-C-O-N-A, Matt Moscona. And um, you can always listen at 1045ESPN.com or uh, watch us on the 1045 ESPN YouTube channel uh, every week afternoon from 3 to 6. So appreciate everybody who, uh, who finds a way to find us on one of those platforms. Yeah, thank you so much, man. We're looking forward to hearing from you. I always enjoy your, your commentary, man. <laughs> we we just enjoy you. I mean, just you're so animated, man. And <laughs> man, we just I enjoy it, man. I enjoy your YouTube channel and also your show after further review. So look forward to hearing from you in the future, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, TJ. All right, take care.